Hi, my precious friends. Welcome to the Unbranded Podcast with Miss Dean Loves You. I'm your host, Susie Dean. I'm so happy to hang out with you today, as always. Today's episode is kind of like the Kickstarter to a series of my interest in holistic, spiritual, woo-woo stuff, which if you've been following me for a long time, you know that these are all things that I've always been dabbling in and interested in. And I hope that you follow along, that you enjoy as much as I do. And whether you're woo-woo, holistic, crunchy or not, I think that these conversations are going to provide some kind of value and maybe our conversations will just make you giggle a little and feel like you're hanging out with a couple of girlfriends. Today on the podcast, I have Christy Gungler. Christy is a certified aromatherapist, Ayurvedic practitioner, yoga teacher. She goes into all of the beautiful things that she does in our episode, but today we specifically spoke about the ancient practice medicine wisdom of Ayurveda. So I hope that you enjoy all that she has to offer. And whether you're into, like I said, the woo-woo, the holistic, or the Western medicine, it doesn't matter. Your girl Susie loves her Tylenol. I would rather go through one hour of active labor than one hour of a headache. I love my sertraline antidepressants. I love my clonopin. I am no stranger to Western medicine. But I think that we can all agree the more tools we have in our health toolbox, the better. I think we can all agree that in this society and in this culture, we need to find more time in nature, connecting with nature, and tuning into ourselves, listening to our bodies, and listening to our what our bodies have to tell us. So with that said, this is Christy. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and I will see you on the other side. Oh, and P.S., I did have to take some notes during this episode. So if Ayurveda is something that you are absolutely interested in as well, you might want to pull out a notebook because there are a lot of facts, tips, and tricks. There's also going to be a giveaway at the end. And at the end of the episode, Christy is going to share with us some tangible, easy takeaways and practices that we can use in our own lives. Okay, that's it. I promise. Talk to you later. Bye. (laughs) It is so ridiculous. And you're so natural at it. When you do your lives, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's like such a breath of fresh air. We're just like, hey. I try. I try to be as authentic and vulnerable and like me as possible. Yeah. You know, I think teaching also made that a lot more comfortable for me because not only was I forced to like share information confidently in front of a ton of people all day, but I was also meant to, I was also required to like perform to keep them engaged and performance is so much easier when you're performing in alignment with with who you are and what your own personality is um so I was kind of forced to get good at talking in front of a lot of people being engaging and also just like being myself so okay before we get started and dive into our conversation who are you what do you do tell us as much or as little as you want you're so cute yeah I feel like um I, yeah, I have a lot to say, or I could say very little, but I am, yeah, I'm a mom, I'm a wife, a sister, a friend, and I am just a person who constantly seeks out um, knowledge and information for like my own betterment. 
And then I'm a person that always just feels this deep call to then share it. Um, so yeah, a seeker, a teacher, a guide, um, nature worshiper. Yeah, that's would that's you say? Would you say that you've always been a seeker, always someone that's been drawn to nature, always someone that's been more in line with your spiritual self, or is that something that kind of developed later? Yeah, no, I would say always, like for sure. Um, you know, when I grew up in a time, you know, I was born in 1974, <laughs> which now sounds so long ago, but right. So 70s, 80s baby that we were just encouraged and allowed to go outside and play and come home for dinner or when some other, you know, neighbor or adult is calling your name, right? So we just were, I was, and my parents gifted me this too. We lived in suburbia, right? In, 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 in Illinois, Chicago suburb, but on the edge of our blocks was like this forested woods. And when, you know, we were super little, it even felt just more expansive. I'm sure if I went there today, I'm sure it's gone today, but um, you know, in, in perspective wise, it was just this whole world. And we just explored, all the time. You know, we'd come home from school and put our outdoor clothes on, you know, and just go. And it was just, um, yeah, so completely just deeply instilled. I always felt very comfortable in nature and always curious. I mean, I could be enamored by, you know, a little roly-poly forever, right? And just like, it, they would always catch my attention, the wildflowers and just, yeah, nature in general was always, um, just a deep part of my upbringing and, you know, that led me into even a path in college. I got an environmental biology degree. So, um, yeah, I've always kind of followed that path of seeking and it always has, you know, nature intertwined into it. So your parents, not only your parents, but the time that you grew up in was really kind of, I don't even know if I'm using this word, right? Like a conduit for that passion and for that like embrace of of nature whereas today i mean i can say i'm an only child and maybe that has something to do with it but i was not allowed to walk to the edge of my driveway to check the mailbox without a parent until i was like 12 or 13 like something <laughs> ridiculous and i'm yeah. grateful that i that i was my dad's a surfer he's a fisher like i was always brought out to the ocean oh, but nice. but i yeah. i didn't have that type of that type of freedom to explore. And I think that probably stunted my own appreciation of, of earth. And I mean, I was a child who kind of didn't have any other option other than to sit in my room, be on my computer, stare at the TV all day. And now I'm just fascinated that I've somehow turned into someone who makes hydrosols from flowers that I find on my property or like, just like, stands in the ocean and feels the waves and cries, you know, or yeah. monitors so closely the mangoes growing on the tree and each phase all year round. So you, you, you feel that presence and because it's in all of us, right? Whether we don't have the opportunity as a child and somehow like we are all nature beings. And so we are all innately connected to and feel this deep connection to nature. It's just some have it more covered or unexplored than others, right? And so that's why when, yeah, when you do discover it, it becomes this like passionate thing because your whole body is, you know, resonating on that level of nature, right? Like, was everybody else in your, all the other girls in your family kind of similar or were, or, the, or your friends at school? Or would you say you kind of always had like a little 
more of a? I feel like, I don't know. I would say all of my sisters definitely appreciate it. And we've always, you know, even family camping trips and just being outside. And But I think I took it to a different level. <laughs> you know, I would be the one to... Um, you know, catch frogs in the yard. And, oh you know, I would, I would save worms when it rained. I would go outside with my Me bike. And, I'd ride. <laughs> yes, yes. and I'm sure people are like, okay. And I did have a, you know, my best friend, we were kind of the same, just, we would go explore and, you know, pick wild berries and just eat them. Cause why not? <laughs> um, yeah. So I would say maybe a little bit more and it, it definitely led to my, you know, it, college degree and I was a vet tech for 10 years. So I did, you know, veterinary medicine. And then that led me into holistic veterinary medicine, which then really led me into the path that I am here. So I have a lot of like, you know, different careers or paths, but they're all nature in the container of like nature and healing. And I would really like to dig into that space and time when you went from veterinary medicine to holistic veterinary medicine. Mm -hmm. Who guided you through that? What was the catalyst? I need to know everything. Yes. So, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I got my environmental biology degree. That was in 1998. And then I came, you know, back home in Chicago suburb. There wasn't a lot of environmental, right? Um, Yes, opportunities. Yeah. And so I worked for the Illinois EPA for a little while, sampled water, did like water quality testing. I know, but it sounds, it sounds, it's not what it was. It was kind of a government job and going through the motions of things. So then, you know, my, my goal in environmental studies was botany and zoology. And so I did a lot of studies and zoology, and that's what made up the major. And so my interest always, you know, was wildlife and animals. And when I was really little, I wanted to be a veterinarian. You know, what do you want to be when you grow up a vet? So I went to vet tech school. So it was a two-year degree, associate's degree. That was after my bachelor's. And so then I started working for this animal hospital. And it was just, you know, it was your run-of-the-mill conventional medicine hospital, lots of vaccines, lots of, you know, medications to band-aid the problems. And one of the vets there, she was... um, she was studying to get her holistic veterinary, you know, with acupuncture and herbs and all these different. Yes. And this was in the 90s again, Barry. So yeah. it was very, especially for that not even human medicine to be a naturopath, for an animal doctor to be naturopathic. And so she opened up her own clinic and asked me to come along. And so I was just completely honored because I just was such an amazing opportunity. And so we had a small clinic that people would then bring their dogs that nothing else worked, right? All the other doctors and medications and trials and tribulations and their dogs would come in and we would, you know, use acupuncture and Reiki on animals and chiropractic and Chinese herbs. And it was a whole different vibe in the hospital. Like we didn't wear white lab coats and, you know, all these doctory images, it was like soft blankets on the floor and, you know, waterfall sounds, you know, it's really to create this atmosphere so pets felt comfortable. And then once they were able to feel comfortable, they had no preconceived notion of like what this treatment was going to do, right? And it was all about, you know, the proper diet, maybe supplements if needed, and, you know, lifestyle, right? And so same that affects our health, it's diet and lifestyle. And these animals that would come in with like severe, severe, you know, skin allergies or digestive problems or lots of arthritis or cancers or all these different, you know, 
serious diseases that just weren't being treated um, or even touched with um, Western medicine. And so they would find relief and improve significantly. And not every single case, but most of the cases, right? And it was like, wow. So if animals come in without a preconceived notion, right? Not, not the placebo effect, mm-hmm. come in, you know, lay down for acupuncture, take some herbs, change their diet, and you see an improvement. It was just like, wow, right? And so it really put a complete faith in natural healing, which always made sense to me anyway. My grandmother was always, you know, growing her own food and she was, you know, I, yeah, just like an inspiration for like nature connection and stuff too. And I had some aunts that were more into, you know, natural medicine. And so it kind of is in my lineage, I think too, but to see that happen for animals, it was just um, phenomenal and and completely life-changing. She ended up moving that doctor. So she was moving practice. And at that point I, you know, wasn't going to move out of town either. And so I ended up going to get a job at a, a conventional animal hospital. Okay. And it was really tough, right? It was just back to vaccines, medications, steroids to treat the problems. And so I kind of just, it was hard to be in that environment when I knew there were other options. And then, yeah, then I started having kids and animal hospital hours just, and pay (laughs) was not, you know, I'd be paying people to go to work. So that was just, and I wanted to to be home. So that was a foundation for me was, was that time in that holistic animal hospital. I had no idea there was, there were holistic options for pets. What kinds of differences did you see in the animal behavior and healing process between giving a dog a shot or giving them pills versus the more natural approach? Was there, was, did you, did you notice a kind of difference in how they healed and how that manifested physically? Yeah, each case would for sure be different, but for the first, you know, but the healing process, you know, it, could potentially have taken longer, right? To actually see the body doing what it needs to do. But in the end result, you know, let's say an animal came in and I don't want to be, you know, diagnostic or or anything like that here, but you know, let's, a common one was, you know, allergies, right? Mm -hmm. Like terrible itching or, you know, licking at the paws or hair loss or, you know, something that is completely obviously allergic dermatitis type of thing, or the skin is, is, um, you know, not happy, so to speak. And so, you know, Western medicine would be, you know, steroids, maybe an antibiotic, it would clear up within a few days, you know, continue, and then of course, relapse and never getting to the root problem. So it is a chronic as well as like a chronic disease, right? Okay, well, this is just how it is. Treat with this medication, see you next time, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And with holistic medicine, the approach was for sure, adjust diet 100%. Like, you know, let's figure out what this animal is not, how it's not digesting property or what it might be um, triggered by with what it eats. And so that takes a while too, a lot of trial and error, which is hard to be like, you know, just like when humans Mm -hmm. like an elimination diet, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, it can be so frustrating. And so it was a lot of, you know, the pet's parent is to have that patience and trust in the process too, right? To stick with it and, and have to do the, this is working, this isn't. Um, but as far as then once the healing process began, you know, it was like, okay, we'll see you for a checkup once in a while. Right. Like, yeah. And then it was, then there was more space for the next ones to come in, but, you know, and just with that setting 
of the animal hospital itself where it was, you know, no lab, white lab coat the doctor didn't wear. She wore just, you know, regular scrubs or we wore t-shirts and, you know, it wasn't, um, we had nice music, we had aromatherapy going on, you know, and all the things. And the animals really actually loved coming in, right? Versus when we were in an animal hospital, you could just sense the fear or the, you know, just really anxious or guarded and, you know, have to be restrained. And yeah, yeah so it's just a whole different setting. And it was, it was just beautiful to watch the body and any healing modality that you do. It's not the, it's really your being that is the one doing the healing, right? You're just providing it with the container to do what it really needs to do. And that's what I witnessed, you know, firsthand with the animals. So it was pretty cool and, and profound. That's what I was kind of picking up on. Your body knows what to do. It's giving your body the tools to work appropriately so that it can fix a lot of those issues that are caused by, like you said, diet, environmental toxins, mm -hmm. the way that you're living. I mean, everything that I constantly hear is everything comes back to sleep and gut health. Like if yeah. you can get, yeah. if you can get so many of these systems in your body in order and support them and kind of be in relationship with your body, human or yeah. animal, your body's going to function in the way yeah. that it's meant to. And of course, not like, I mean, there are terrible diseases out there that sometimes you can't, you know, no, right. that aside, 100%. that aside, yeah. Yeah. a natural average healthy person should be able to right. work in alignment with their body and support it in a way to fix itself. And then, like you said, the animals, it might've taken longer, but then their bodies knew what to do. And then their bodies right. were functioning properly. And that's something else that I love about, I guess the, I don't want to say industry that sounds so unnecessary, but the whole world of holistic healing and naturopathy is it's not a world where money is the driving force. Right. When I go to, when I used to go to an old veterinarian that I had for my dog for skin, skin stuff, constantly paying for pills, always having yeah. to get refills, having to come in for checkups multiple times, see how he was responding, yeah. maybe doing different cocktails. Whereas we went to a new vet right down the streets, kind of similar to you, not yeah. as comfy cozy, sits on yeah. the floor with the dogs and yeah. he's like, this dog's allergic to oak. Also mm -hmm. take chicken out of his diet. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden he hasn't itched. His skin is yeah. beautiful. His fur is shiny. I haven't had to pay yeah. for pills in years. And that's how you know that the person that you're working with is doing it because they're passionate about it and because they care about you. Because you're not going to yes. be coming back time and time again to give right. you money. You're giving them the tools to live independently and healthily exactly. on their own. Yeah. You're empowering, you know, whether it's animal or human, you're you're empowered. Right. And that's mm -hmm. why, you know, even with, with now, you know, me sharing Ayurveda, it's the same mm -hmm. thing. It's like sharing this knowledge, this ancient, ancient wisdom that is so, you know, still very much needed today in our modern world. It's for empowerment. Right. It's mm -hmm. to 
you know, it's to bring back on board your instinct and intuition, right? To say, this is really, you know, something's not right here. And oftentimes in Western medicine, and this is not at all to, to bash Western medicine whatsoever, like there's a time and place for, for it all. Ayurveda and, you know, more natural healing, naturopathic, even, you know, functional medicine, it's always getting at the root cause, right? But before even something is a cause, like it's really about setting up your life style in your habits in a way that doesn't progress into disease in the first mm -hmm. place right so to create again yes when something happens go back to like you're saying the gut right like that's number one in ayurveda is like gut is you know the line leader so to speak yeah. for the health and that's five thousand years old plus you know knowledge and it's science is backing us up on that but it is it's like to be able to yeah, just set that foundation. And then when things do happen, because we are influenced and affected by our environment and our, our lifestyles and things that happen, it's how can we quickly then be back into balance, right? Mm -hmm. But not necessarily relying on something, again, special circumstances for sure, for, you know, chronic diseases that need, you know, medicine daily. But if we're able to, you know, treat something that could progress into a disease before it even starts with, you know, that strong foundation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So after you left and you were staying home with your babies, what kinds of mm -hmm. things did you do with your kiddos that maybe were more holistic and natural that maybe went, went against the grain or, or the norm of our culture and society? Yeah. Because I'm sure that you that's something that you're instilling in them too, this appreciation for this. Right, for sure. And it is hard. And, you know, especially, yeah, as a mom, especially when, you know, it's your first kid and stuff, it's you really do look for outside resources to just make sure you're not going to screw up this like precious, precious gift. I, I struggled with that, you know, because then I would, I went to a regular pediatrician and then there was some mm -hmm. things that we weren't seeing eye to eye. And it was just like, okay, I always have to, you know, stop listening to outside influences and, and find my, find my voice and am I being heard? And then I would, I switched and found, you know, a beautiful, lovely practice that just was so much more aligned with what I, and if then it felt validated, right? Like my mm -hmm. concerns over certain things that were recommended and, but, you know, my kids went to forest preschool and kindergarten. I didn't send them to like a typical kindergarten. They, we, home, you know, homeschooled kindergarten, but we, I had them in a forest school and people, you know, said how I would ruin my children because they wouldn't learn how to stand in, in a line. And <laughs> oh, I mean, the funniest yeah. things that people would say to me, because they just didn't go when they were five and six years old, they were outside in the forest learning, you know, so yeah. it was just interesting. But I stuck with it and, you know, they're fine. They know how to stand in line at the grocery store. <laughs> um, and just nature was you know, we always, even when they're little, and it was sometimes comical or stressful when we would try to get kids outside. And it was just like we were offering snacks more than we were like actually, you know, walking on the tree, you know, or e even pushing yeah. That kind of stuff. But it was just something we committed to. You know, I wanted my kids to play in the dirt, which, you know, some parents at the park, if my kids are like jumping through puddles of rain, we would be like, that's awesome. Have fun. They're just, close. you know, like get dirty, please. And parents would be pulling their kids away because the kids naturally want to like jump in the puddles. And I'd be like, no, no, no. And I was like, you do you. Like, I'm not at all judging your decision. But like for us, like my kids are going to dig in the backyard. We just literally had like a spot in the yard that they would just like, yeah, have a shovel and, you know, like, so I'm sure people thought it was interesting, right? <laughs> or, yeah. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, just the food preference, not that I'm strict at all. I'm, you know, not at, I'm not. And again, everyone has what they want to feed their children, nourish their children. Mm -hmm. But ours was, you know, it's fresh home cooked meals and, you know, green juice. And my kids have been drinking juice since, you know, and they love it. Like my son is 16 now. And I think, I don't remember when I first got the juicer, probably when he was, I don't know, three or something maybe, you know, right. But he loves like mama needs celery juice or like they love, they ask for it now, you know? Yeah. And so it's just, yeah, we just involved him in the process of the conversation of how bodies are nourished. Because when I was older, I was like, how did I not know this, right? Like the function of your body. It's such a gift. And yet we're not taught that in school. And so it was very important for me to to kind of always, you know, share like this is what's going on. Or if they had symptoms, like, you know, we would, you know, sometimes use over-the-counter medication, but a lot of times there's essential oils or, you know, old, you know, wives tale, you know, yeah. apple cider vinegar yeah. and, you know, all those other things. Right. Oh, yeah. And so, um, yeah, time and place for everything, but always my first go-to would be, you know, I don't, I haven't had over-the-counter medicine in, I don't know, 10 years. Right. Like I don't, you know, I don't keep that. Again, time and place. If we needed it, I would be running out course, and getting it, right? Course. There's not at all, nothing, nothing wrong with that. But of just course. more relearn, relied on feeding our bodies, which supports our immune system. You're living my dream. You have raised your family in my dream. I think that you have given them such a strong and beautiful foundation to continue building. And now that they're teenagers, my daughter just turned 14. So I have uh-huh. a 14 and a 16 year old. And now it is the, you know, it's the, you know, flying from the nest, so to speak, right? Like yeah. all you can do is give them that foundation. You know, when I was, my kids were very, very little. So toddler age, and I've been meditating since then. And, you know, I think my daughter was two and a half or three when I went through my yoga teacher training, my son was maybe five. And so you know, I've always incorporated that in offered, you know, sit with me in meditation, but I'm never going to be like, let, you know, you have to do this. Right. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes it is, it's like, they'll be like, Oh, I feel like, you know, I need to start meditating or doing some, you know, the practices that at this point now they, they're going to, at least they have it as a foundation. And I know that in my mama heart. Right. And, Mm -hmm. but I'm not, never going to force this lifestyle on them. Right. And Mm -hmm. hopefully, when they need it, it's there. Yeah. And they have a huge toolkit now to go into life with. And they might, they might fly off and do something totally opposite and then always know that they can come back or always know that they have those tools to rely on. I think that's beautiful. So I do want to get into Ayurveda, obviously. So how, how did that come about? Did you know somebody, did you find it on your own? So yeah, interesting. So then when I went through, I went through a few yoga teacher trainings before like my 200 hour certification. Mm -hmm. I did it on my own because again, my daughter at that point was still maybe, I don't know, just over a year. So I was like dabbling in yoga, yoga. Because I first went to yoga when I was pregnant with my first. So when my son was I was nine months pregnant. I remember, oh, not nine months. I was maybe seven months pregnant. And I went to my first yoga class. And I'm sure now as a yoga teacher, I'm sure she was like, what are you? This is not the time to start this practice, sweetie. But I just came in because I was so stressed for my job, right? My animal yeah. hospital job was, oh, yeah. sounds like it's puppies and kitties. But in, this was when it was in the conventional too. So it was just out of alignment with everything. And anyway, lots of drama that happened that led me to, I needed to find ways. Because I had a miscarriage before my first. And it was just, you know, of course, devastating and 
all the different things. And I was just, oh, you know, I was pregnant and then I was worried about adding stress and I was already stressed and making sure yep. everything was fine. So yep. I sought out yoga. It was a studio nearby house. And I just, I still to this day, 17 years later, remember how that made me feel afterwards. And I will never forget it. And I knew it was something, right? I then eventually went into yoga teacher training and that's where I learned about Ayurveda. So my yoga teacher training was a 12 month training and it was an Ayurvedic training. My teacher studied under Deepak Chopra at the Chopra Center in California. And so it was all about Ayurveda and yoga. And so we had a year long practice to embody it ourselves, to learn these practices, but also then to be able to like sequence a yoga class based on the concepts and foundations of Ayurveda, mm. right? And so, and then from there I was like, wow, right? This was, this to me was like, I don't even know. It was everything I had been looking for on my path to healing. I had self-studied then for probably, yeah, almost eight plus years. And then I went, found a training and then got my 600 hour Ayurveda health counselor certification. And it's just interesting because it's like naturopathic medicine for animals is really, you know, now is not looked on as like, that's so weird. It's kind of like, yeah. okay. Right. And yeah. same with Ayurveda yeah. now too. It's like yeah. 10 years later or 13 years later, it's very, you know, you know, I couldn't find many books on it before. Right. And right. now it's like very, so it's just interesting to, it's beautiful to see how, when these practices of any holistic modality really they're so it can be so effective and that's when it's like passed down and passed down and you want to share you know i went on this whole journey not to create a business with it was to teach my kids these yeah. medicines and this these pathways so that i felt they were well equipped because when i was going through a healing crisis i was completely lost and looking for answers in so many places and i remember being like i don't want my kids to be 30 something years old and feeling completely disempowered right? With their own health and well-being. Right. And so that was, you know, that was the catalyst to like, just keep diving and, um, and then just share it. So if I could share it with a mom, they can share it with their child or they can, you know, I, I have clients and they're like, Oh, I can't wait to teach my husband that, or, Oh, my mm -hmm. friend. And it's like, you don't have to go through a, you know, a certification to learn these practices. Right. Even if you just take one and start to, you know, bring that into your life, mm -hmm. it's, it can be life-changing so it's, yeah so if you were to break down ayurveda for someone who's never heard of it before on a granular also simplistic level what what is ayurveda what are the foundations yeah so ayurveda to me is living in alignment with nature period for one like when we are in alignment with nature our body's just talking about back to that your body has that natural ability to just heal itself, right? Mm -hmm. We are living in a world that is disconnected from nature, right? Modern life and Ayurveda is an alignment with nature. Our bodies are nature. And when we're in line with the rhythms and the cycles of the day, the season, even our life's journey, right? Childhood is different from adolescence, which is different from, you know, yeah right? We, we shift and change. And it's, yeah, alignment with nature, the rhythms and the cycles, which then bring our nature into balance. So the foundation for Ayurveda is, it's not trying to be like rigid and saying you have to, it's perfect all the time, right? It is nature where it flows and it ebbs and there's, 
you know, ups and there's downs and things shift and change. And it's then just bring constantly coming back into balance is what it is because we are constantly coming out of balance and that's nature as well. When we're working with Ayurveda, what I've mostly practiced is food, mm -hmm. using Ayurveda through food to heal. Um, mm -hmm. And then I recently did like a ginger detox bath because I was really sick and I threw, oh yeah, and I was like sweating it all out. Um, but, but what are kind of the methods through Ayurveda, because now that you're talking, I'm realizing it's not just, it's not just food. It's really kind of a whole right. life, a whole practice. Yes. Thing. And that's where, yeah, that, and then we can talk about this later, but that's where I pulled in forest bathing because if we're, if I'm trying to teach clients or, you know, I do group coaching too, and it's like teaching them about being connected to nature, oftentimes we don't even know how to reconnect to nature, right? How do you even plug in to then be like, okay, I'm connected to these rhythms and cycles. And so bringing nature therapy in was just like a, a no brainer to me. Like, let's first of all, get back into nature and not in nature, but with nature, there's a difference, right? Tell but me yeah, so about that. I, yeah, so, so oftentimes, you know, we are like, we're going, you know, into nature, I wanna be in nature and really we're, we're with. You'll see from, you know, old school science, right? Is like man is on top and then all the other earth beings are below, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's mm -hmm. not true. Like we're not separate from nature. We're not above it or separate from it. We're really in it. And so when mm -hmm. we shift that perspective, Ayurveda is one of the foundations of Ayurveda is we are a, ma a microcosm within the macrocosm. Right. And that's why, like, if you're in the ocean and you start crying yeah. when your feet are digging into the sand, it's an overwhelming presence of connection and belonging and feeling seen and heard. And so it yeah. sounds a little like what? But it's true. Yeah. Right. We are with nature. We are a part of it and we're not separate from it. And so another foundation of Ayurveda is like increases like and opposites balance. Right. And so we do this naturally. This is when I said it was like common sense practice where it's like, what happens when you're cold? You don't, you know, go for the ice cream and take off a layer of clothes. Right. We right. add a layer of clothes or maybe sip some warm tea. Like mm -hmm. that's Ayurveda. Right. Want to bring ourselves back into balance. You're doing the opposite of your, you know, imbalance. Right. right? Yeah. And so learning that we are we are made up of the same things that nature is if you really wanted to look at it in like an elemental you know not even doshas or elements it's like hydrogen carbon nitrogen yeah. right like we have we're, we're we are nature right and so ayurveda takes it in the perspective of the five elements and that is earth water fire air and ether and ether can be also set as space too okay. so those are five elements of ayurveda okay and that's the that's the foundation, right? And so when if we learn every being at conception, according to Ayurveda, mm -hmm. has a sprinkling of this, a sprinkling of this, a sprinkle, right? We we are made up of those five elements, and okay. each of us is unique. Some might have mostly earth, but you still have water, fire, mm -hmm. air, and ether, right? Some have mostly fire, then they still have the other four, mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. so on. So we're all uniquely made. And then we learn our personal makeup, which is your dosha, right? Mm -hmm. That's your, those five elements. 
brought into um, three doshas. We can dive into this in a little bit too. But once we learn our, our predominant elemental makeup, we're different. So what's medicine for me is going to be maybe poison for you, right? And that's why like the one size fits all Western medical model leaves some people feeling, you know, not seen, heard or understood, yeah. right? Yeah. And so those foundations of like increases like and opposites balance. When you learn what your nature is, your personal nature, your mind, body, constitution, or makeup, then what is opposite of me that helps bring me into balance is going to be different from someone else. So how can someone go about finding out their, their own makeup, their three yeah. main doshas? Right. And so there are now, you know, there's plenty of you know, on, if you search dosha quiz, so it's D-O-S-H-A, right? So there's a bunch of those that you can take. And what I tell my clients too, I, I when I do consultations, I have like a, I think it's a 20 something page intake form. So it's a lot of, but those dosha quizzes, it's just a nice little touch of like an idea, right? Uh -huh. It's not, and, and I, the Ayurveda I learned was more feminine form too. So it was like, let's not be dogmatic about it, right? Like, mm -hmm. let's not, Western modern life, we like to label everything, right? And so when we're like, okay, I am this dosha, then we can be stuck in that box as well. Yes. So I like to say the dosha quiz is just a, it's a, it's an eye-opening guideline. It's a just a toe in the water to be like, okay, now some things can start to make sense, right? So if you were to go online and take um, a, a quiz, you'll get a your your you know dominant dosha, and that is what is considered your prakriti or it just also means your constitution. It factors in your mind and your body. So it's mental patterns as well as physical patterns. And again, those are fixed at birth. That was like, that happened at conception. That's unchanging, right? So that's typically your physical function, your, your actual build and makeup, um, but also your mental, um, your, your mental state. So you could be like, you know, in this situation, are you quick to be anxious? Are you quick to um, be angered or are you quick to be depressed? Right? Like we all have our, our, just our switch that happens. Our body is an innate expression of this. Right. And then you would have an imbalance, which is called your vikriti. And so you can have your dosha go out mm -hmm. of balance in any of those doshas. And I don't think I mentioned the three names of the doshas, so there's kapha dosha, K-A-P-H-A. The P-H is said as in like an F. Mm -hmm. So kapha, that is primarily dominated by earth element, and it also has some water. And then there's the pitta dosha, P-I-T-T-A. And that is primarily fire element, also with a little water. And then we have vata, V-A-T-A. And that's air element with some space or ether with it too. Okay. And so you'll see you have those five elements I first said, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. Mm -hmm. And then those five break into three doshas, mm -hmm. kapha, pitta, vata. The rest of my life, if I'm practicing in Ayurveda, I'm going to be constantly seeking all those other elements that I'm missing so that I can stay in balance. Correct. Correct. Your, it's almost like your, you know, your blood type is fixed at birth, right? Your O positive, O negative, right? That, yeah. that is like your dosha, right? And then 
you're when we say dosha, you're yes, it has water, but it's we're gonna think earth for kapha, fire for pitta, and air for vata, right? Mm -hmm. And so even if your let's say your constitution, your dosha is pitta, you can go out of balance with have a pitta imbalance for sure, but you mm -hmm. can also have a kapha imbalance and you can also have a vata imbalance because you yeah. still have earth and air and water and, and space, right? And everything in Ayurveda is looked at through the lens of, they're called gunas, G-U-N-A-S, the gunas. Okay. And those are 10 opposing qualities. Cold, hot, you know, moist, dry, heavy, light, mobile, static. Like we're always looking at everything, physical symptoms, our qualities of our food, qualities of spices, time of day, like we all have, um, we're going to look at everything through a quality. So we know if it is, if it is causing an imbalance, let's say a food is drying us. Well, we're not mm -hmm. going to want to eat more drying foods. We're going to want to eat foods that bring in moisture, right? We can, same thing with our mental qualities. Am I feeling mobile where that can maybe represent as anxiety or am I, if I, are things heavy, am I having thought, heavy thoughts? Right. So we're always constantly I say this to my clients, too. It's kind of, an, you know, like it's annoying that we have to be so aware. Yeah. <laughs> right. But we really do. Right. Our bodies are constantly 24 hours a day giving us the information we need to make the choices. And when we're in an imbalance, those that's the lens then we're making our choices with. So say I am in a coffee imbalance. Right. I'm feeling heavy and depressed and low and unmotivated and static. Right. Those are the times we're reaching for those heavy foods, right? The ice creams, the alcohol, like we're mm -hmm. in that imbalance. And those are those that's that's guiding our choices versus coming into a balanced state. That's all of a sudden where you're like, you know, you feel good and you're making choices from that state. And yeah. so it's the awareness of am I in balance? Am I out of balance? And the first thing we look at 100 percent is digestion. That's the, that's like the start of okay. everything okay. because in, in Ayurveda, there's layers and layers and layers. We think of it like an assembly line. And so whatever we take in, mm -hmm. of course, we're going to feed our, you know, blood and our plasma, our, you know, our, our tissues, our critical tissues. Right. And then the last in line to get nourished is actually our reproductive fluids. So, yeah. So, and that's why, you know, with women menstruating, our period can be different every month. That's based on like what we're taking oh, in, right? Wow. Mm -hmm. And not just food. So Ayurveda hey. is, a, is a conscious-based holistic system, right? But it's a, it's a nature-based, we are nature beings and we are taking in everything from what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we taste, what we feel, and then the sixth sense, right? And so it's not just food. We have to obviously digest the food, right? So if I ate an apple right now, the apple would, you know, I would chew the apple. I would swallow the apple. It would start to break down with the you know, acidity of my stomach, go through the intestines, start to nourish all of my tissues, right? And the last in line is the reproductive. Then that would nourish that. 30 days later, that apple come, you know, is represented in the health of my cycle, right? And also... We have to digest our emotions. We have to digest what we are taking in through our eyes. Like, what are we watching? What are we viewing? We have to digest what we're listening to, right? That's who who's talking to us, but also what are we listening to, 
we have to digest what we put on our skin, but you know, touch mm -hmm. all of mm -hmm. our senses digest this. And so if we don't even have the health of our digestive capacity, Agni it's called in Ayurveda, it's digestive fire. You can see how quickly we can become out of balance and then therefore, you know, symptoms and diseases can start. And so, yes, it is about food and we learn the qualities of the food, but it's also the qualities of everything else that we take in with our senses that we too have to digest. Phenomenal, right? Where you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, this is a whole world of information. And, and with everyone, right? But yes, I mean, in, in Ayurveda, we're going to, you you know, there are some practices. And again, I'm not, you know, a doctor or diagnosing or cheating or, you know, recommending anything that fashion, but just to explain it is, yes, there are some things we can take for, you know, quote unquote, symptoms or signs of imbalance. But also at the same time, we're going back to the root cause. We're going back to the front of the line. We're going to treat and um, not treat, sorry, we're going to observe the health of our digestive capacity in our system. So it's not just, you know, list me the foods. It's about how we're eating, what we're eating, when we're eating, but also what else are we consuming? And mm -hmm. Anna, do you see how modern life, it's like we are consuming so much. Our container in Ayurveda is considered, you have, you know, like a quality of ojas, it's called. O-J-A-S. And that is your, like your body, your actual physical body, right? But it's also your immune system and it's the source of your vitality. They look at it as like nectar. When you can see someone that they're glowing, right? And you're like, oh, you're glowing. That's like a healthy ojas, right? And so what depletes that, what deplete, depletes our container, our immune system is also how we give our energy out, right? Like we, we think of your container as like a protective shield. And modern life is like pew, 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 pew. You know, like yeah. so much is coming at us by choice at times, how we live mm -hmm. our life and we choose to scroll and, you know, all the things. So it's about living a lifestyle aligned with nature, going back to the beginning, the cycles and the rhythms, right? And to really just be aware that we are effective, influenced by the outside world as well, right? And that what what do we want our container? I think, you know, if you ask everyone, yes, they want to live a long, not just a long life, but a long, healthy life, right? There's a difference. And an Ayurvedic practice, um, for sure. I mean, it's applicable to every being. But if if a woman, especially because, you know, that's a, it's a struggle, whether it's painful periods or miss, you know, it's a lot. I mean, it's a you know, when, when it's clockwork, it feels good. You do feel yeah. like you're not questioning oh, what's going on or what's, you know, all the. Mm -hmm. And it is very beneficial to, to, you know, seek an Ayurvedic path. And, and Ayurveda is, like I said, we, you know, there's things that you can do to treat some of the symptoms and imbalances, but it's a, it's a life journey like those animals that used to come in, right? It was like, this might take a little bit of time. It's, it's feminine form and um, Ayurveda is what, like I said, I had learned and it's, it's moon gazing, right? Like connecting to the cycles of the moon, like it's that right there that. for us all. It's, it's really becoming apparent that Ayurveda is a lifelong daily constant practice where we, in order to maintain, you said the gut is the beginning of it all. 
We need to be not just conscious, as you said, of the food that we're eating, but the TV we're digesting, the types of people we're following on social media, the types of podcasts we're listening to, the types of books we're reading and ingesting, the energies of other people that we keep in our circle. We need to be good at boundary setting. We need to be taking a look and doing a spring cleaning of, of all of these things in our lives that are not that we might perceive as maybe that's not digesting well. Maybe that's right. not something my body needs right. or is leading me to, to balance. Correct? Right. Correct. 100%. And okay. even looking, you know, now I'm 48. I'll be 49 this August. It's wild to me. Ooh. It's like, poof, there it goes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, you know, and before all this, I was like, oh, but I used to be able to eat that and it didn't bother me. Or I used to be mm. able to drink this and I wouldn't feel, you know, like crap the next day. Or it's like, recognizing where you're at now. It's not about where, what you, you know, you could use to do. It's like waking up every morning before you put your feet on the ground and doing a quick scan. Like, how are you feeling today? Mentally, emotionally, physically. And then you can start your day with like, which tool do I want to grab to help bring me into balance? Right. Or, or help keep me in this state of, mm-hmm. hey, everything's great today, right? Like, it's a constant, yeah, choice and lifestyle. And it, it is lifelong. It's not a quick fix. It's not a 21 day, you know, right? <laughs> right? I mean, there is nothing and it's, it is it is a lifestyle. So I want to get into just before we go, some Ayurvedic practices that maybe mm-hmm. people can take away from today. Um, well, the first thing that I want to ask you is, since you got into Ayurveda and you were you went through your training, what are some non-negotiable daily practices and rituals that you do every day to maintain balance and feel good? Yeah, that's that's a great question, and one that um, what I love about Ayurveda is you don't have to go out and purchase any you know tools or a bunch of different things. Of course, you can, and there are mm-hmm. a few things that make things helpful, but. For one, and it goes back to connecting with nature too. It's, you know, I rise with the sun now, you know, before you would have talked to me in my 20s, I was a total night owl. And now I really do follow the rhythms of nature. So I'm in bed by 10, for sure. That's an Ayurvedic practice. I rise with the sun or just before, you know, I mean, I love waking up early now. It's so weird. I was so not like me, you know, 20 years ago, but I love it. I gaze at the sun. I find the sun. So again, just that practice of nature connection, like what is the outside influence of today, right? Because we are in dynamic exchange with nature 24-7. And so the weather, the sun, the temperatures, everything is going to have an effect on me. And so I align with it. And then a non-negotiable is, um, as far as like an actual practice, is um, tongue scraping. Do you have a tongue scraper? No, but I've been hearing a lot about not just getting tongue scrapers, but getting a copper tongue scraper. So again, interesting, you know, if you were, I, you could use copper or stainless steel. Some it's like, okay, if you're Pitta, then maybe use a copper one, you know? So it's, again, we're, it's, it's not one size fits all things, but um, I'll, I'll text you a few links to some things if if you want to, but yeah, so I use a stainless steel, but I have had copper in the past tongue scraping, like life changing. Everyone I've ever done a workshop with or my clients are like, how did I not do this before? It's literally <laughs> like going you know, to the bathroom first thing when you wake up. It's just a part of the practice. Like my daughter has been tongue scraping since she's like seven. And she's like, I need a new one. You know, it's like, it's just, 
I can tell you why if you want to, but tongue straightening is one. You do? Okay. So this will make you go. You can use a butter knife or a spoon. So don't freak out if you don't have an actual tongue scraper. It's just like a U-shaped thing, right? It's a U-shaped piece of metal. And you're going to go in the back of your tongue and gently, you're not like trying to yank stuff out, but you're scraping the tongue. Going back to your digestive capacity, Agni, and your digestive Mm -hmm. fire. When you're sleeping all night long, that's why it's so important to sleep. Like you said, it's a pillar of health, right? So if we're up and not sleeping, we're not giving ourselves, our bodies that time to detox. It naturally wants to detox. Pitta comes back on board after 10 p.m. That's the fire element. That's when we start to detox and transform our food into metabolic waste to be able to purge it out, right? If we're up during that time, we're not doing housekeeping on our bodies. And how many people are up past 10? I mean, I used to be like, right? And so we're not doing a natural daily, nightly detox. That's also when our brain detoxes. The whole sleep cycle is fascinating. I share this with friends too, because it's like, whoa. I mean, once I learned that, I was like, okay, get your butt in bed by 10. So much important things happen. So going back to the tongue, I always just imagine like my cells have like a little sweeper and every cell in your body, right? Your detoxification, she's like sweeping everything. Well, guess what your tongue is? It's the dustpan. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, when you sweep and I, you know, dogs and kids and you you pull everything to that dustpan, you're like, oh my gosh, my floors have been, right? How did I live like this? (laughs) Seriously. And so you wake up in the morning in the practice of awareness, right? You're not just brushing your teeth, hopefully right away, but you're not just doing that and then going. Some people start drinking their water or coffee before they even brush their teeth. You're Mm -hmm. just putting that, the the stuff on your tongue, there's a coating on your tongue. It's called AMA. It's just undigested metabolic waste that your body is trying to bring up to surface, A, to show you, like, take a look at it and be like, wow, look at what I didn't, you know, wasn't able to metabolize. So that is an insight to how much toxic load you have. You'll notice it when you're sick, right? You're, you get that mm-hmm. thick white coating on your tongue. That's yeah. right, because that's ama. There's things that the body is trying to purge out. So you want to scrape that off, first of all, to not re-digest it, right? right? So you scrape your tongue, and you also look at it. Is it white? Is it thick? Going back to all those gunas, the descriptions. Is it slimy? Is it heavy? Is it, can it? Does it pull off and rinse off of the scraper easily? Or is it like, wow, that's then it's like it's pitta, kapha, vata, right? There's signs to say what those accumulations are. Um, So that's one thing that, you know, for the rest of my life, I will always uh, tongue scrape every morning. Um, There's a few other practices. I rinse my eyes with cold water because sometimes when you wake up, you have like bloodshot eyes. That's just like pitta, pitta, you know, a little bit of heat in the eyes. So I have little eye wash things that you can do as well, too, with rose water. But I don't do that every day. But I always rinse my eyes with um, cold water. And then I do an abhyanga practice in the evening. But typically, um, you know, that's could be recommended to do morning. That is self-oil massage. Okay. So it is the word for that oiling in Ayurveda is sneha, S-N-E-H-A. And that just translate from Sanskrit to English to love. And so Ayurveda has, you'll notice if you've been studying or reading some books, everything, you know, it's like oil this, oil this, oil this, right? Cook with ghee because you're yes. oiling your internally, right? Mm-hmm. Putting oil on your body in a, in a specific manner with your own hand in a, in a specific fashion, if you want to balance vata pizza or kapha, and there's different types of carrier oils you would use to, again, bring in balance, 
but you're basically daily oiling your body. You're moving lymph. You're giving yep. a loving touch, right? You're also, you know, just you can calm your your nervous system down with that. And you're just deeply nourishing your body. Again, your container, that ojas, you're really bringing in that nutrients and that barrier. So abhyanga. Um, and then depending, I'll do pranayama practice. So breath work, if I'm feeling, you know, if mentally I need to either focus or calm down, there's practices. I don't every day do like an hour long yoga, but I do sun salutations in the morning, even if it's like, a, you know, one round, it's like get yeah. a little bit of movement in right each day. Um, and then at night it's important. Then I eat my biggest meal at lunch. Okay. So in Ayurveda is completely opposite of modern world. We eat big, heavy meals at night. Ayurveda is the pit to time of day is from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's when the fire element is the highest, right? The sun is the highest. We are nature. Our digestive fire is the highest at that point. And so eating that meal, the biggest meal for your day at that time, we can then easily digest and break down those foods versus dinner time is typically in the coffee time of day heavy, slow, static, and we're putting this big mound of food in our bellies when we don't have the capacity to break it down and digest it. So that's another practice. I would say if anything, tongue scrape in the morning, sip warm water throughout the day, avoid ice cold beverages always. Wow. Second or third would be eat your biggest meal at the middle of the day if you can't supplement is supper right supper is supplemental supper is okay. soup it's more of that lighter meal it doesn't mean you can't eat it just means consciously be aware of we're not going to be able to break that down then when you go past 10 your body wants to detox the cells it doesn't want to work on breaking down steak mm -hmm. and potatoes right mm -hmm. and so yeah those would be the probably the top three is getting the ama off of your tongue so you're not digesting it and also just the awareness like how how am i am i balanced is it you should have a little coating right your body does do cleaning but you don't right. want it to be thick and white or yellow and you know all the different colors it can be um and sipping warm water throughout the day keeps your digestive fire kindled so imagine a, a campfire in your belly that's your agni now imagine pouring cold ice cubes on it you're just yeah. going to diminish it and weaken it. And if that's the front line of your health, to keep that fire going, you want to just sip warm water to keep the, the fire, you know, established. So if you know that's a so lot, first like all, I get so excited when I talk about this stuff, because it's like, it doesn't cost anything to eat your biggest lunch, right? It doesn't cost yeah. anything to take water and go down your tongue or to sip warm water. It's With warm water, we're not, are we not talking room temperature? We're talking slightly warmed. So you can do room temperature, just avoid ice, but slightly okay. warm, especially first thing in the morning would be great. Okay. Warm water with maybe a little lemon, maybe okay. a little lime, maybe a tiny pinch of pink Himalayan salt if you're feeling dehydrated, right? Mm -hmm. um, to bring those that fluids into the tissues, but before coffee, before tea, a, a glass of warm water. I always just poured it into like a, a Stanley thermos after yeah. I've made my tea kettle for the morning. And then I have warm water to <laughs> sip throughout the day. But if you were to drink water that you didn't want it warm, especially where you, I mean, you're in Florida, I'm in Colorado. So like I need the warmth more than, you know, but room temperature water would be then ideal. Just not ice cubes. Does that mean you can never drink cold beverage or with ice? No, but just right. be aware and then notice afterwards. How does, how did that affect your digestion? Right. Mm -hmm. Did it weaken it? Cause it's, it could. 
So then how, how do you feel about um, the hot cold therapy where people are getting in ice baths and then getting in saunas? Mm. Yes. And yeah, I think that's actually really good. And yeah. And so, but again, time and place. So like if you're having a Vata imbalance or you're having a cough imbalance and you're already, you know, below and you're, you're cold and static and heavy, you would have to play around with what it, you know, how that affects you. And again, what one person's medicine could be another person's poison. right? Right. And I think it's fantastic. And the science behind it is really interesting as far as helping your nervous system and your vagal nerve and all, you know, it's, it's really beneficial. So even if it's, um, Ayurveda, it, you know, when you're showering, they're like, never put hot water on your head, you know, cause it's too much heat that that's where the, the heat escapes from the head. Right. And when you're adding hot water on it, you can increase that. So it's always rinsing your hair with cold water in Ayurveda too. So, wow. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is really interesting when there's science now backing up, you know, this 5,000 plus year old tradition. Of course. I feel like that's happening Mm -hmm. more and more and much Mm -hmm. more rapidly. So can my, my imbalances could change daily, will Mm -hmm. change daily. So I can check in on that by just doing some awareness, mindfulness. How am I feeling? What are my thoughts? Can I also find my imbalances from scraping my tongue and then seeing what what that texture is and seeing what that means. For sure. Yeah. And that's why we do that. If somebody is new to Ayurveda and they're dealing with something, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to fill in the blank with like three different types of things Mm -hmm. that the average person might be dealing with. And do you think that you can give me a quick remedy that they might be able to try to alleviate that? Sure. Another foundation of Ayurveda, though, is it depends. So we'll see. Okay. 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 That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So if someone were suffering from a simple cold, runny Mm -hmm. nose, sluggish, maybe a cough, what are some things that they can do to alleviate those symptoms? Yeah. So typically, and of course it depends on, you know, the person. And then we would look at the quality of the snot, right? Like, or like, is it thick? Is it cloudy? Is it right? all the different gunas that can apply there. But, you know, that would be a sign that your container, your ojas is, is low because your immune system wasn't working at its peak to avoid you getting the symptoms, right? And when we think of qualities of kapha, kapha is, you know, that's why I like winter colds and spring allergies, winter is kapha season, spring is kapha season. And so when we have excess kapha, right, mm-hmm. we have the runny noses, the coughs, the sneezing, the watery eyes, that's all water element. And so we would want to do the opposite of that by warming up our container, right? Um, and getting things stimulated and moving. And so Ayurveda, you know, loves herbs as well. And you can just simply make you know, a ginger tea to bring in the heat because ginger is very heating. Um, Steep some. I love ginger tea. Just steep a fresh piece of ginger for, you know, 10 minutes or so and and then sip on that. So you're going to be sipping warm water throughout the day for sure when we're having colds because we want to warm up our body, help flush out those toxins. But also the ginger, again, kind of adds that heat and movement to get things going. When we're sick, it is really, you know, rest is the best medicine. So when we need to you know, don't lay in bed with Netflix on, right? Like start to rejuvenate your body with the rest that it needs to be able to build that container. Stop, you know, leaking out your energy when we're looking to heal and contain and build our ojas up, right? The foods you're eating at that time. And But yeah, I would say ginger tea and warm water would be 
for a, a, a cold would be great. Um, a lot with colds and sicknesses, clear broths, clear mm -hmm. vegetables. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I've been sick for like three weeks. It's kind of really stupid. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing a lot of bone broth. Um, I mm -hmm. put a cube of ginger, a cube of turmeric, bok choy. Yeah. And mm -hmm. yep, black pepper, obviously, bok yeah. choy. And, um, and I'll sip that a lot. And that'll mm -hmm. kind of be my standard, especially, especially for kind of lunch and dinner while I'm mm -hmm. sick, because what I was treating was it's easier on your digestive system. So it's, yes, while your body's sure. fighting, while your body's fighting off everything else, it doesn't have to worry yeah. so much. So yeah. is that Sleep something is that can be a process? Yeah, for sure. Broth would be great. If you can maybe saute those veggies before in the broth, we put them in the broth, maybe in some ghee, ghee and Ayurveda, mm -hmm. you know, is yeah. considered medicine. And so it's clarified butter and it is so nourishing to your tissues. So for sure, you know, you can add that. I mean, I incorporate ghee into every meal pretty much put it, you know, cook with it or and or put it on top. But yeah, I would add some nourishment that way as well. Um, you know, vitamin C, even, you know, Ayurveda is like, yes, vitamin C is it's yeah. not a, you know, it's, yeah, it's a real, it's a real medicine. What might you recommend for a freshly postpartum mother? Oh, I wish I had Ayurveda then for sure. Wow. But you know, again, you can't look back, right? I know, now I have I this knowledge. Yes. I mean, modern life is just so tough. I when I had my daughter, so it was Easter when she was born 14 years ago. And it was just like, are you coming to family Easter? It's like, <laughs> just have a baby. You know, like we don't give ourselves that time and space. And Ayurveda, it's like 40, 42 yep. days postpartum is like so important for the mother, right? And mm -hmm. When you think of postpartum, you know, again, you would take in count, of course, the mom's, you know, constitution, the dosha, right? Vata, pizza, kapha, where are you starting from? But as far as childbirth, it is more of a vata um, causing, you know, it's a vata situation where you literally had a being, you know, a body in your belly and now it has birthed, right? What, whatever manner that it came out in cesarean mm -hmm. or vaginal. And now you have this space element, right? In yeah. your abdomen. Right. And it's a transition and we just lost blood and fluids and, you know, all of these things. So we we are going to be needing to re-nourish that because we're drying out. And we're also some people are breastfeeding. And so I remember that was very I mean, remember if you're yeah, you're breastfeeding. And so it's like you're constantly drinking. Right. Don't you just feel so, so, so thirsty because yeah. you are yeah having a vata imbalance where you're dry versus mm -hmm. moist. So. It's all about nourishing and it's, yeah, adding the ghee, adding warm rooted vegetables. So if we think of vata and we think of light and airy and dry and, you know, ethereal, it's like bringing you down to the earth. So rooted vegetables, sauteed in ghee would be amazing. You know, abhyanga that is starts at your feet, just standing outside in the, you know, in nature with your feet on the ground, like think of just, you know, grounding and stabilizing because it is a time of a vata, you know, it's a vata situation. Um, so you just think the opposite to balance, which is warm, you know, heavy, slow, mm -hmm. and that helps. Yeah. So nourishing from within. And then the last fill in the blank will be, what would you recommend for someone who's having a lot of anxiety, a lot of racing thoughts? You mentioned that earlier. If you're having anxiety, mm -hmm. that might be connected to what did you say? Vata again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it would be, yeah. So yeah, mentally we can have pitta imbalance, vata imbalance and kapha imbalance, right? Vata is tends to lean towards anxiety. Kapha tends to lead towards depression. 
And pitta tends to lead towards anger and rage. Like that is your, you know, mental reaction to things, right? Mm-hmm. Hot-headed, right? You just right. think of, you know, like yeah. a pitta okay. imbalance, right? Mm-hmm. Or yes. So for for vata, there's so many things again what you consume. So it is, you know, limiting the outside influence because we we have to take that in. If we're already feeling completely, you know, variable in our thoughts or it's just too much where we're having too many thoughts, you are going to ground. You're going to do earthing practices. You're going to do yoga postures that, you know, are standing and rooted in, you know, rooting you to the earth. You're going to slow down. You're going to eat warm, rooted vegetables. You're going to practice breath work that helps um, alternate nostril breathing is amazing where you're you're literally connecting left and right hemisphere. You're secreting a little melatonin from the pineal gland, which is calming when you're doing that breath work. Um, yeah, so you just you're just thinking earth, right? So think of a tree that's deeply rooted into the earth. The winds can come and the tree might sway a little bit, but we are you're gra- what's keeping you there and not blowing away is the roots. And so you're thinking, downward. If all of our energy is in our mind, we need to bring that energy downward to the earth. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a Mm -hmm. super easy way to remember it. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you five random questions that I asked all of my guests that I made to each of them. Coffee or tea? Oh, so interesting. I quit coffee a year ago when I did a spring cleanse. Yeah. Again, just like, am I just on the habits we have? So tea. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, tea. What is your favorite dessert? I'm not really a dessert or sweet. Oh, or you're savory? Yes. Okay. So, yes. But, you know, chocolate, a, a okay. piece of chocolate, you know, you can't go wrong with that. What is your ideal way to relax? Set the scene. Oh, yes. My ideal way to relax is in a hammock hung up from our pine trees. Yeah. So good. Sometimes I close my eyes. Sometimes I'll read a book, but mostly I just, yeah, lay there and listen to the birds or just the wind through the trees. Like it's just such a, yeah, peaceful, peaceful space. What season do you most resonate with? So interesting. After learning Ayurveda, it completely changed. Um, And where I'm at now, you know, in my stage of life is different Uh than I used to love summer, but now... I would say fall or spring. I really honestly love them all. But before fall used to completely throw me into anxiety, which then led to like, you know, just sad, sadness in the winter. But I would be very anxious knowing winter was even coming. And now I love winter. I love fall, right? Because I have the practices that stabilize me and I know what to do in the transitions. And I know every day isn't going to look the same 365 days a year anymore. I'm not going to eat the same that I do 365 days. I'm not going to practice my physical practices and movement practices the same as I would in summer and winter. And so it's completely life changing. So it's hard to say because I really appreciate them all. Of course. But I love this more subtle, you know, like spring and fall versus like summer and winter, right? Yeah, the extremes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Christy, tell me about where we can find you. Tell me about Earthbird Whole Being. What are your offerings? What someone wants to learn about you, come to you, work with you, what can they find? You're so sweet. So yes, I have a few, I have two websites. One's a website that literally just kind of spells out what I do. It breaks down Ayurveda, breaks down forest bathing, has a little bit of yoga. 
um, and I have an apothecary. So it kind of just gives a like a what is all of this kind of background information well. So that's um, earthbirdwholebeing.com. Okay. And then I have an online community that I'm building. So it's off of Facebook. It's not a social media page or group. It's its own website that's free to enter. And it's um, called the Earthbird Collective. And that's earthbirdcollective.com. And when you walk in, I call it the meadow. So it's free to walk in. You kind of look around like if you're standing in a meadow, right? And then from there, I have paid paths from my offering. So you can stand in the meadow and interact with other people. Once in a while, just post nature pictures or, you know, might show, you know, some books that we're reading or, you know, just kind of touch base as a community of women looking to connect with others who too feel a connection to nature. And then from there, I have the forest, which is a membership group for monthly forest bathing in person and remotely. And then I have the nest, which is my group Ayurvedic coaching. So it's a 12 month ongoing program that we meet every single week for an hour once a week. And I teach and learn, um, teach Ayurvedic practices. And then also there's support and accountability with people in the group learning this lifestyle. And it really takes a while, right? I used to do a weekend workshop and I was like, okay, we need a year. You need a year to, to do this and to learn and to have that support. So it's not like, here's some practices. See you later. I show up every week, check in, and so it's, yeah, the collective is the meadow, the forest, and the nest. Um, so that's earthbirdcollective.com. And then on Instagram is at earthbird underscore whole being. Beautiful. Do you think that we could give a giveaway to our listeners? Ooh, that would be fun. I love myself a giveaway. So yeah. for those of you listening, um, what what do we think we can give away? Okay. Well, we didn't really talk about it much. So let's do, let's pick a forest bathing session and the forest bathing hydrosol to go with it. How does that sound? Because yeah. I think, you know, starting to connect, reconnect with nature. I don't want to say connect mm-hmm. because we're all nature beings and we all have that innately cellular ancestral connection to nature. So like, it's not something you have to learn. We just have to relearn it, rewild ourselves to the rhythms and cycles. And so I love being a guide to others. A forest bathing session is just a beautiful practice. It's a mindfulness practice where you engage your senses and set down the intellect, right? We just literally take the thinking brain and give it a rest. And we get to experience our natural surroundings with some invitations It closes with a tea ceremony, which offers gratitude to the land wherever you're at. And then, yes, I distill um, forest. It's called Forest Bath. It's a blend of pine, juniper, and Douglas fir uh, tree needles. And I distill it in my little still. Um, And it becomes a hydrosol. And you get to breathe in the phytoncides, which are the volatile chemical compounds the trees emit, which is the tree's immune system. Since we are nature, when we inhale those, we also give a boost to our immune system and get to take in those properties. And so I would love to gift that. Yeah. So you don't have to be near. I do in-person forest walks, forest bathing walks, but I also um, am starting to do remotely guided ones, which kind of seems a little, but it's beautiful. It's really neat to, to gather from all over and, you know, from wherever you just, if you have a tree in your backyard, if you have the beach, you know, anywhere that there's even just the smallest bit of nature, which, which is everywhere. Right. Right. Oh, that sounds so beautiful. So valuable. Okay. So you guys to enter this giveaway, I want you to comment something that you learned from this episode on my very first Instagram post for this episode. You must be following both me 
and Christy's Instagram at earthbird underscore whole being. I'm going to add some more details in the caption and I will announce the winner next week. Thank you so, so much, fun. Christy, for sitting with me. I hope you have the best day ever, Christy. Yes, you too. Thanks, Susie. Thank you. I'll talk to you later, okay? Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Unbranded with Mistine Loves You. I know and I hope that you not only had just as much fun as we did, but that you are walking away today with tangible, meaningful information and knowledge. Don't forget about the giveaway. Head over to either my Instagram or Christy's Instagram to enter. You can read the caption for more details on how to win the Forest Therapy and Forest Hydrosol. If you enjoyed this episode and you enjoy this podcast in general, I would love, love, love if you subscribed, left a rating, left a comment, shared this episode or another with a friend that you think that might find value in it. If you do, it, I swear, brings me so much joy for weeks. Anyway, I hope you guys have the best day ever. Miss Jean loves you. Same time next week. Bye.